velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and this week I'm delighted to be rejoined by Henry Bate, big Bath fan. Henry, thank you very much for joining me again on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Yes, at the Bath Badger it is on Twitter if you want all Henry's views on Twitter. But great to have you on the podcast. No Tom this week. Uh, so it is our pleasure to talk all about the blue, black and white rugby that was on Friday night against Bristol. The, of course, defeat on Friday, 13 points to 15 at the wreck. A game, Henry, that you were at, I unfortunately wasn't, but was watching closely on BT Sport. What did you make of the atmosphere and the feeling in and around the wreck, both pre-game and then ultimately post-game after what transpired? Uh, good question. I think, you know, pre-game, there's always, you know, apprehension. I think, you know, have, having looked at the two teams on paper, I think there was a feeling that Bristol were favourites, particularly what they'd done the previous Friday against Newcastle, mm. sort of comprehensive win. Bath, obviously, coming off a really disappointing defeat against Irish. Obviously, we talked about that on the on the previous pod that, that we did of these were the two must-win games defining our season and it was so flat against Irish um, discipline just killing us. So there was that apprehension, but but also I think, you know, always Friday night lights, people people are up for it. There was a good atmosphere in the clubhouse where I got to be a pre-match, but, but that sort of soon dissipated really um, once the match started there. There really wasn't a huge amount to, to get excited about. Bristol were the architects of their own downfall in many ways with their penalty count kept us in the game. We were in that first half locked in in Bristol's half and just couldn't um couldn't score points, which is um <laughs> yeah, it's been the story of the season really. And yeah, th- there really wasn't much to get excited about throughout the whole game. Obviously Miles Reed try apart uh, it, it, the atmosphere was flat. It, it really was, mm. particularly with Francis miss, missing three really kickable goals, particularly that last one. I think Hearts just sank as soon as he struck the ball there and you knew it was missing and the chance of winning the game had gone. Yeah, I mean, I think on last week's podcast, I spoke about how Bath were probably the worst team in the league. And I think Bristol are making a pretty good case for this season to be the second worst team in the league. And I think that absolutely played out on Friday night. Um, You know, BT may be trying to sell it as a a gritty derby, but I think that was massively overrating the the spectacle that was was shown. And we're going to get into 
all of that in a lot more detail. But before I forget, I'd be remiss not to mention this podcast, of course, brought to you by Black and White Butchers, Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers, the hog roast and events company run by Bath and England Hooker. If you're going to the rec for a game day, check out their stand near the Swift Half and check out their Instagram, Black and White Butchers, for more details and information on how to book it. Let's get into the game then, Henry. And I think they'd had all week to focus on turning around what went wrong on Saturday against London Irish. And a massive part of what went wrong was that line-out. And yet the first three line-outs they missed and and the fourth line-out they caught to ironic cheers, I'm sure, from yourself in the stands. But the mall broke down pretty soon after and Bristol regained possession. And I think... Bath throughout that first half were were pretty sloppy um, and not really not really good enough. Underlined by by the poor and misfiring lineup, which did get a little bit better in the second half. But but I think yeah, just to start like that after having all week to prepare for it was was pretty disappointing. Hugely disappointing, and you know it, it seriously broke down at Irish. It's been a real weakness all season, and. When it's set piece and, and set play like that, that is something in theory you can work on. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you've talked about sort of Luke Charteris' position surely becoming untenable. And I think, you know, it's it's such a shambles, that line There's no, that it's so unstructured. There's no dummy jumpers. It's, you can you can pick watching it live. You know where the, where the ball's going, whereas you watch some of the best teams in the league and their, their line is so slick. There's so much interplay. And ours is just literally hit and hope. Mm. And yeah, instantly in that first half, just on the back foot, just the set piece is your bread and butter. That's what Johan van Groen came in and said that those are the basics. They're the the elements that are non-negotiable. And we're three quarters into the season and it's still a complete shambles. Yeah, three quarters into the season under Van Graan, but but a lot longer under Chartres. And I don't want to labour this point because I've touched on it before. And I think Van Graan will probably touch on it at the end of the season. But he's not spread too thin. He is the line-out coach. And we've not got inexperienced operators. We've got Nalanet, Tom Dunn, loads of premiership caps. And then Quinn Rue, an international, and Dave Atwood were the starting locks. They, they should be well-drilled and they should, it should be slick. And it should, frankly, be a strength of the team um, and, and not a weakness, which throughout this season, and, and it's, I think it's gotten worse as well, which is concerning. It is, it's definitely not improved. And yeah, it is, it is a real concern. One thing, though, I think we did tighten up on in, in the first half was the, the discipline. Um, and I think we only conceded sort of two or maybe three penalties in that first half, which certainly wasn't the case for Bristol. Matt Carley was was quite strict, I thought, on Bristol, and we were definitely getting the rub of the green in that area. How did you see that that battle? Loads of them at the breakdown. Do you think Bristol were unfairly treated? Lots of their fans certainly were thinking so. Or do you think they were just kind of being quite ill-disciplined? I think they've 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 mirrored us in the discipline department. So um, they're an ill-disciplined team, a bit like ourselves. I thought, you know, talking positives about the game, I think the... Um, yeah, the defence has improved remarkably from last year and, you know, Ferreira's done a fantastic job with that. The line speed was really good. Mm. We didn't get sucked in um, and we did cause Bristol some pressure at the breakdown. Sort of Miles Reed, Josh Bayliss, they were all over the ball. So, um, yeah, I thought that was 
was a real positive. And yeah, I, I did think we got the rubber the green, but but we had a lot of momentum. Um, so yeah, it didn't strike me live that that they were harshly penalised. But but you know, I'm one eyed in in many <laughs> respects. And of course, we've come off the back of London Irish, where the 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 refereeing only went one way in that fixture as well with with our real discipline. So um, I didn't think they were overly harshly penalised. There were a couple of penalties, particularly the um, the push on Francis in the second half, which looking back, that that was never a penalty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I think yeah, we did get the rubber the green, but but sometimes that works for you. Yeah, rarely seems to work for Bath. Not many fans watching that game, I think, and certainly not watching the second half, can say that they were neutrals because neutrals by that point had probably switched off. So, yeah, a lot of one-eyed fans seeing it either harsh on Bristol or or Bath kind of getting fair enough and, and it evening out over the course of the season. But but that ill-discipline allowed us to to have most of the territory in that first half. Um, despite that, though, we did concede the first try. Um, I think I saw the Randrandra break coming from from my home in, in London. You probably saw it from the stands, but incredibly, Darcy Ray and Dave Atwood seemed to miss the big Fijian startling through the gap. It was a nice line, but but massively telegraphed. And yeah, some pretty weak defence and, and they were able to crash over from there. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good try and a, a moment of brilliance from Randrandra, which ultimately he was signed for and is produced on on a number of occasions. Yeah, he, I mean he he just hit a really really hard line, right to the ball was right to the line, um, something that we didn't really see in the rest of the game from from either side. But yes, he caught he caught the two forwards out. They were ball watching mm. rather than watching his his line, and then the the offload was was pretty sumptuous to Williams. And yeah, that was. Yeah, the difference in the game was, was was obviously that moment, and then now Lango's skill um, early in the second half to to score that one to try. So, yeah, moments of individual brilliance which stood out for Bristol, which we've really struggled with this season. Yeah, our try was another kind of pushover try, which which came massively from that old Bristol little discipline that we'd spoken about, and we did get a a penalty, a Francis penalty just before half time, which actually made us lead ten seven in the break, and I think. I was on Twitter saying that it was weird because that was probably one of our worst performances of the season, yet we were leading a a big game for us. And I think that kind of panned out a little bit in the second half in that we were just unable to get really anything going in that in that second half. You're right, now Langer scored pretty soon after. I think it was Ray again who who missed the tackle. Um yeah, it was it, it became at that point uh 10-12 and then a, a penalty for, for Bristol was ultimately the final nail in the coffin and, and Bath had chances with kicks at goal but I think to be frank probably didn't deserve the victory on Friday Bristol I'd say were, were, were probably just about the better side and a close victory for them I reckon was was justified despite Francis missing a, a pretty straightforward kick at sticks with, with 76 minutes to go and, and kind of missing nine points from the tee throughout the night Absolutely, I, I don't feel that we were hard done. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think Bristol were the best of, of two bad teams ultimately, but they were the only ones to show any ambition on the night. There was a lot of kicking, obviously, but they did spin the ball wide, something that we never did. Austin Healy, Austin BT commentary picked up on our and and Ben K as well picked up on our really really narrow shape, slow ball. You know, often 
our outside backs were within the the two fifteen meter lines. There was there's literally no width, no fast ball. It was pretty tedious to be honest. The attack it was just non-existent. Our best attacking player in the first half was was Max Ajomo. Again, he took the ball to the line, made a lot of half breaks, and then obviously one of the pitfalls of having a six-two bench mm. going into the game is that you get a get an injury to an outside back when you've got a scrum half and a fly half on the bench, and you're instantly in trouble. I mean. Um, ironically, we looked at our most attacking best when we had uh, three scrum halves on the field or two scrum halves on the field with mm-hmm. Schroeder at nine producing some quick ball and Spencer sort of hovering around. And there was that one crossfield kick to Gallagher, which mm-hmm. he was in 25 metres of space. And if the kick had been executed anywhere near on target, he would have walked in. But uh, yeah, ironically, we looked more cohesive with an absolute mishmash on the field. But yeah, going back to my original point, Ajomo, our best attacking player, I don't think he touched the ball in attack in the second half. I think he was did a lot of kick chasing, but but the ball never got to him, um, apart from the sort of the mistry in the first half, but, but uh, Thokunasinga was still on the field. So, yeah, I disagreed with the 6-2 bench against Bristol um, going into the game, and that, I think, did have a, an impact with Joe going off at half-time and having to restructure and ultimately had no pace on the field yeah I'm fed up to be honest of the 6-2 split I don't I don't think it really is necessary you're always ending up with kind of two replacement forwards and Yaku Kutsia came on with two minutes left and it's like well, what what the hell are we doing here why why are we having a 6-2 split and deploying one of them on 78 minutes when countless times this season we have had Schroeder or Spencer on the wing and a 6-2 split sometimes works if you've got a player like Joe Marchant or Henry Slade that can cover maybe centre wing fullback and probably fly half but to have a, a a nine and a 10 in Bailey who can maybe play 15 but but not really well enough is just not enough versatility and as soon as there's a back injury you're switching stuff around and it's yeah I thought I'm I'm yeah I, that needs to stop in, in my opinion and it's been a theme of, of Van Graham, but countless times I've seen Schroeder or Spencer on the pitch and out of position. And yeah, I'm fed up of it if we're not going to deploy the forwards in, in good enough time. Um, you're right, though. The the attack from Spencer and, and, and a little bit from Schroeder was, was just so sort of turgid. And we played 76%, I think, of the ball, of our ball off nine. And when it went to 10, it, it rarely went outside of the 10, kind of inside 12 channel. They were so, so narrow. It was, yeah, it was incredible. And Austin Healy said on commentary that, that Spencer's speed of ball was, was becoming a bit of an issue. And yeah, I don't know if it's a difficult time for Bath fans, but do we need to talk about Ben? Um, yeah, I think it's concerning when, when Schroeder comes on and, and, and Schroeder's half, half the scrum half that Spencer is in terms of controlling the game, leadership, kicking, experience, marshalling the forwards. Um, you know, he's not a better scrum half than Spencer, but his speed of ball has been a little bit quicker when, when he's come onto the pitch. And yeah, are you, are you concerned, Henry, that, that Spencer is, is, not able to generate that that quick ball and and as we look ahead to developing this team and developing the attack with Russell and and these outside backs is Spencer going to kind of hold that back a little bit as as you see it 
I think as we've lost more and more games, the mindset's just become narrower and narrower. And I think I'm, I'm not concerned about his ability as a player because we have seen it countless times, whether that be in a Saracen shirt or in a Bath shirt in the last three years. I mean, you look back to that first game of the season against Bristol and he's scoring a 40-metre solo try, threatening threatening the, the outskirts of the ruck. When was the last time in recent games that we've seen him have a show and go, you know, from the base of the ruck? It just hasn't happened. And I think... It's certainly, it's a mindset coming from the coaching staff. I'm convinced about it. I, I think, you know, the players are pretty much controlled as, as to what they're doing. Um, I, as I said, I do think Spencer's got the ability. We've seen him score some some great tries. We've seen, even in the second half against Sale, um, you know, Austin Healy again slammed us in the first half because we were trying to um, run through the biggest forward pack in the league and got absolutely hammered. And then suddenly we... We opened it up in the second half and you look for JJ's try in that particular game. Ben Spencer threatening like putting a little grubber kick through. Uh, backs running onto it at pace. We scored some wonderful second half tries. That There is the ability to do it, but Bath went into this game wanting a dogfight. They wanted to keep it close. Van Graan's gone on numerous times about being in the fight, being in the game with five minutes to go. Ultimately, we were in the we were in that that position but but we're not good enough to win games at the moment and you can't get a better too much of a better opportunity than what Francis had at the end and we we didn't execute and mm. i think we'd be having a slightly different conversation if we won the game but it but because we lost then you look back and just see how blunt everything was and you just want to you just want to see something from the team. And I think, you know, going to Tigers this weekend, I don't think anyone's expecting us to win. And I just, going back to your original point, I would love to see Schroeder start with Bailey and just give it a go. Like we've got nothing to lose. We've bottomed the league. Go and play some rugby. Just give us, the supporters, something to to cheer about, frankly, because I am so bored of losing now. Yeah, I'm... it's not going to happen though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's we, the hope we... that kills you. We can ask, we can ask Bailey, and we can ask for maybe even for Schroeder. But yeah, I think Van Grand's content at the moment that this team is sticking in games, and I think he thinks that he can make them into a winning team, and and that he can make the majority of these close games into wins. And yeah, I hope he's right because it's quite. Uh, don't want to swear. Tom would tell me off. It's pretty tough <laughs> watching Bath at the moment. Um, yeah, they are they're turgid and, and they and they lose way more than they win. Um so you're not really getting the balance of of playing kind of tough rugby but but getting the the payoff of the victory. You're kind of getting the, the worst of both worlds. And yeah, I, I personally think if 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 Francis had scored that penalty on 76 minutes, which which he definitely should have done, it would have masked over a lot of of problems. And yeah, personally. I think that was maybe the worst performance of the season. Um, I think it was certainly the the lowest reading that I will have on the on the thicker scale. And yeah, it was it was tough. Thirteen fifteen to Bristol and JVG kind of standing at the end. I thought was interesting. I I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's kind of dawning on him that that maybe what he's doing is is not working as he'd like, and that that I think the summer of that's incoming is going to need a lot of change and a lot of kind of more of his fingerprints are going to be put on need to be put on this team because yeah they're just not they're just not improving 
under his and, and the coach's kind of leadership. They, they've, they've, they've been at a similar level, I think, throughout the season. And these two games against London Irish and against Bristol, when we've had a block of three weeks in the lead up to it, where they're, they're kind of all together. We've not got loads of injuries. We've not got loads of people away. In terms of premiership level, we've got a pretty consistent squad together and they've just not improved. And yeah, it's, it's concerning. It's concerning for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I was pretty. I was in pretty bad, in a pretty um, low place, sport sport fandom wise on on Friday night, having watched that. And I can imagine you were making the the trip back from from Bath. Yeah, it was it was it was it was bleak. And as I said, you know, I've I've followed Bath home away Europe this year. I've I've only seen one win in the flesh, and <laughs> likewise last year, actually even better. Sort of saw more wins last year. Um, so it, it's just grinding and it, it makes you question, it makes you question it all really, just the, <laughs> particularly doing that, that long trip, you know, consecutively in six days when you go into that block of two games thinking, uh, you know, these are two winnable games. We can theoretically be up to eighth or seventh with, with two victories and we can end the season on a high. Now you look at our remaining six fixtures and frankly, I'm not sure where a win's going to come from. We've got two home games left, one against Chiefs, one against Saracens. And then, you know, we've got informed teams of Tigers and Saints as our next two games. Quinn's at Twickenham. Uh, I just, as it stands, just I'm not sure where we're going to increase our four wins. And if we finish on four wins, we're worse than last season. And I think given the resources we have, um, the personnel, I frankly don't think it's acceptable to be finishing bottom of the league two years in a row, particularly after the reset that we've had. You would expect some form of bounce. Yeah, We had those three consecutive wins in that November period where we beat Tigers, Newcastle um, and Northampton, I think it was. Mm. And we just haven't bounced on from there. We've, we've had some really tough last-minute losses, but we've also been outplayed in the majority of games and yeah, it's, it's it really is bleak at the moment. There's just nothing to really to grasp onto. It's not as though we're, we're losing games 50-45. We're scoring less and less points. Um, yeah, it's it's a really difficult one to be a supporter at, at the moment. It just seems this seems to have dragged on for far too long. Yeah, the, the brutal reality of of being a Bath fan and yeah, being lucky enough to be a Bath podcaster as well is that, as Nitin Palmer pointed out to me on Twitter, we've got 10 wins in the last 61 competitive matches, um, which is, yeah, 61 week, week, mid, midweek, Monday evenings, and only 10 of them talking about victories, which is tough. And, and Friday was tough. Um, but yeah, urging everybody, as I always do, to, to stick behind the boys. Through thick and through thick and thin, Henry. Before we kind of wrap up here, let's have a quick look at the. Um, or we should probably actually just mention the injuries to to Quinn Rue and to Ollie Lawrence, which which further dampened spirits on Friday night. And, and listening to Johan Van Grand speak, they sound like like pretty serious knee and ankle injuries. So, yeah, massively upsetting for both those guys. Quinn Rue just come back from from injury and. Um, sorry, I said it was Lawrence tonight. Joe Thock and Seeger, obviously. Joe Thock and Seeger and, and Quinn Roo, um, both with quite serious knee and ankle injuries. So, yeah, that's just more shitty news. 
It might get a little bit more shitty as we travel to the Mattioli Woods, Welford Road on Saturday, 3pm kickoff, not on BT Sport, probably a blessing there for us. Um, Tigers sixth, that middle of the league is so, so tight. They've got absolutely everything to play for and, and, and they've kind of steadied the ship a little bit under Richard Wigglesworth. They had those couple of really alarming losses in the immediate aftermath of Borthwick going to England. But I think um, Wigglesworth's done a really good job there of steadying that down and, and they beat um, Saracens a couple of weeks ago and then and then I think it was Newcastle they beat this weekend um, we are 13 points sorry say that again London Irish away London Irish uh, sorry you're right at, at Brentford yeah we are 13 point underdogs with the bookies easily the biggest kind of underdogs of the weekend as, as, as another fascinating round of the premiership looks to be tight across the board Henry I've kind of set it up there in a, a pretty negative way Tom would at this point chime in with maybe some some positivity about how he thinks we're going to get the edge in the scrum and how we've got a big pack coming off the bench and how the boys will be up for it can you kind of sell it to me in any way that that we'll be cheering um, as we tune into PRTV on Saturday at, at 3pm. Um, <laughs> hospital pass, I think. Uh, I'm I'm struggling to see where we, we win, uh, just based on the, the last couple of weeks. I don't think any sane Bath fan would be predicting us to go to Tigers and win. Uh, you know, our scrum, our scrum is working. Um, I can't remember, actually, is, is Will Stewart staying with England this week or is he... Is he back with us? I can't hundred um, percent remember. I, I, I'm he, pretty sure he's back. He'll be, I'm pretty sure he's back with uh, Bath. So he's yeah, got Bath, so, yeah, he needs to start because he's had two two goes off the bench and looked reasonably sharp. Um, so look, the, the front five is competitive in the scrum. The line out we've talked about to death. I just, I just, um, I mean, of course, I'll be tuning in at three o'clock with <laughs> all the hope and expectation as as always. But I. As I said before, I just um, I don't want us to go down with a whimper. I don't want us to to score another 13, 15 points and the opposition sort of score 25. I just uh, don't see that as pointless. I, I just want to see some progress. And I think it's obvious next season how we're going to play. And I think, you know, as I said, we're bottom of the league, nothing to lose. I think we need to just be a slightly more expansive. The pragmatic style of rugby hasn't won us games. It has kept us in games, but... We still don't know how to close it out, and I think our talent, as it stands in the in our squad, is is our outside backs with a Joma and Redpath being available. I, as I said, I would Bailey's obviously really low on confidence. We've, we've seen that, but I would I would give him the shirt again. He's going to be here next season. Don't know if Francis is probably not to be honest. Mm. And I would give Schroeder a go. Uh, Spencer's had a, a a long run. He's probably tired a little bit. Schroeder's deserved the start, so. Yeah, I would just like us to to show a little bit more ambition. Obviously, there are times to be pragmatic. I'm not advocating we do in Italy and run the ball from behind our dead ball line. As entertaining as that is for us all to watch, uh, there's sometimes you need that pragmatism. And, you know, Tigers have got the dad's army in the back line. <laughs> you know, perhaps sort of try and go on outside shoulders, try and use a little bit of pace. So, but yes, I'm, I'm not confident. I would, I would go with the bookies' verdict of, a 13-point margin, that sounds about right where we are at the moment. And Tigers obviously got Pollard back, international World Cup winning fly half. He marshaled things really well at Irish. Ben Young's has suddenly gone back to club level and is playing rugby with really fast, quick ball. Seems to have got his confidence back. So 
it's a really hard ask to get to Tigers. Yeah, it, it is hard and and I can't see us changing type. I think it will be another pretty poor, turgid Bath performance. And yeah, we, we've only got Lawrence in that England camp. Uh, so he will be the only unavailability from that perspective uh, with Tigers missing Watson and Portfleet Stewart. Chesham and Dan Cole so you know we've got the edge in that department but I can't see it making too much of a difference I've kind of forgotten what an outside shoulder looks like to be honest with with the way that the the backs in the team have been playing there was a hell of a lot of running into inside shoulders on Friday night Henry I don't know whether I need to apologize to you or thank you apologize for, for bringing you on in such dark times but thank you for your for your insight, as always, I, I really appreciate it. And yeah, whilst it is tough, we are all kind of going through this together. So listeners, hope you enjoyed that. Hope that acted as a little bit of a therapy session. It's a safe place for depressed blue, black and white Bath fans. We'll go again at the Mattioli Woods on Saturday and stick behind the boys as ever through thick and thin. Mm-hmm.